Welcome back to Nopies Like Us, the podcast reminds you it's hip to be square. Guess what? Gordy's home and it's time for his special birthday. Get ready to celebrate as we have special guest star Jean Jacket while we talk Nope on Nopies Like Us. Did you know that the very first motion picture was a black man on a horse? And that man is my great-great-grandpa. Great. Holy shit, it's real. That clown does them all. Fly back at the Haywood Ranch? Yeah, skin of the guy. He's not shit. You heard it up top. It's time for another Out of This World episode of an out of this world podcast because we have an extraterrestrial threat against us lurking up in those clouds that we're going to talk about this week because that's right we're talking jordan peele's nope on normies like us with your host uh fry's employee colin uh this will be mj that's that's mike jr and i'm wearing my jeans vest <laughs> i couldn't get a jacket in this short of notice nice you are on a horse though yeah yeah <laughs> and this is uh antlers jacob the cinematographer do, uh, do the voice. Do the voice. <laughs> um, you want to go to the mountaintop? I don't know. <laughs> I got a key lime pie in the oven or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Ten of my closest friends. Um, well, I'm here with two of my closest friends uh, oh. and Jean Jacket. Oh, um, and we're we're going to no. be talking about uh, the, the new... <laughs> just don't look up. Just don't look them in the oh, eye. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're we're going to be talking the new Jordan Peele film. Nope. Is his third of That's three right. so far and uh, so i just want to ask you guys you know how do you feel about jordan peele's work so far i mean you know colin you know where do you stand with this stuff yeah i love him uh this one's been out for a minute you mm-hmm. know maybe we're a little late to this normies but evergreen babies you're going to be coming back to watch this once it comes to digital and yeah. um we we talked about another alien last week and we thought let's do a scary alien this week and make uh, august alien Early August. Early August. That's right? exactly what we decided to, to call it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So this um, will be full spoilers, by the way, on uh, Nope and, and probably any of the other Jordan Peele movies if we talk about yes. those. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Yes. And I just want to say, like, if you're listening to this and haven't seen Nope, I really recommend watching Nope first because it's really worth it to go in knowing the, le- the least amount you can about it because I think, you know, it's just a better experience that way. Yeah, I agree. And you guys have been telling me to go see it. And um, like you guys were glowing reviews. You wouldn't tell me anything about it, which I appreciate. And uh, yeah, it's definitely good to go in blind uh, with this. Yeah. And um, yeah, don't look up any spoilers. That's right. They should have called this movie Don't Look Up instead of the other movie called Don't Look Up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But Jordan Peele, you know, I'm a big fan of his his work so far. I mean, he's made three, uh, you know, good to great movies. I think... Uh, Get Out is one of the best movies of the last couple decades. I think Us was, I liked it better than a lot of people seem to. Some people were a little lukewarm on it. I thought it was pretty mm-hmm. good. And now this one I think is really good again. So um, what do you think, Mike? Yeah, I think I, I like Jordan Peele a lot. And I, I appreciate that he makes movies that are, not everything's handed to you on a plate. You know, like you have to sit with them for a little bit and digest them. And then you kind of keep what's nourishing and then you throw out what's not um, into the sky. But uh, I, you, you do have to sit with them. And it's a movie. I appreciate yeah, that. You're thinking about it on the way home. You're thinking about it the next day, putting connections together, you know, thinking about the symbolism, the themes. Right. And I think we'll dive into it. It's like, what is this movie about? It's like there's surface level. And then beneath that, I think Jordan Peele makes ogres. You know, all of his movies have layers. (laughs) 
And right. that's pretty much like it. Like an onion? Quiet. Or an I dare you. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. One, one last quick question before we jump, and we'll, we'll dive in, like we said, full spoiler discussion mm-hmm. on the film. Um, it's a West Coast chain. We live in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Have either of you guys ever been in a Fry's Electronics? I one. have. I used to love Fry's. Oh, really? And let me tell you something. Oh, you go ahead first. Well, I was just going to ask you. I love fries. Yeah. I've been to multiple. Uh, oh, wow. As a Southern California boy. But have you been to the one that's in the movie? I have. Yes. Burbank. Me too. I, Burbank. That's the Bur- I drive by. I've never gone yeah. to well, here's the thing Tell with me fries about now. the fries, guys. The thing with fries now, since February 2021, they don't exist anymore as, right. as in-person stores. They've closed all their stores. Mm-hmm. So this is probably the last movie to ever feature a fries because I think when, even when they shot it, they were closed and they just pretended like it was open. Well, you can see how empty the shelves were. That's how fries were. Like there was hardly anything in stock ever. And even in the movie, they're walking through and it's like this thing is desolate. So it almost made me think, is this like set in like 2018 just for some reason? Like, why is there a fries here? Yeah, they did shoot it in a closed like that fry was closed to the public at that point when they were shooting it but i think it was a covid thing and also just like a dying kind of store like blockbuster and it's a love letter to fries i think i have to think jordan peele is you know being in southern california and working around here it's like you gotta show a fry plus it has a a ufo smash into the front of the burbank thematically and every uh fries store has its own theme and they go really into the theme with the with the decoration and stuff Fries is a great store. They had all oh, the great They're not all UFOs. Stuff. No, they're no, all no, different. Just that one is, I think. Mm-hmm. They're all kind of different. They have like an Aztec pyramid one or something. What? Yeah. That yeah. fries in Burbank has like sci-fi shit. So like the, you see the inside of the spaceship on the other side of the wall, but then there's like giant ants and like other sci-fi crap in there. It's and wild. You, you guys are build your own PC boys. That's why you would go to a fries component yeah, parts. Yeah. If you need a, okay. if you need a special cord for something, you can get but like over a Best Buy. Yeah. You yeah, can't get like, like component Shack. level part. It's Radio Shack and Best Buy okay. put together. Yeah. You know. I used to work at a micro you can get everything. We had those in East uh, Coast. This is like all of those things, things in one. going, but you can get everything online and people just do that now. So in-person stores. Right. But you don't have fries. the same charm of fries, no. <sighs> no, no. And people actually knew it. I mean, they're more helpful than Angel in the movie. We'll get there. But it's like, what? if people would knew what they were talking about, you'd be like, hey, I got like, you know, a B450 motherboard. Is this compatible? And they'd be like, yeah, dude, for sure. Right. Like, like, they would actually know and shit. And they would follow you home and become... Your best friends. Best friends. Yeah, absolutely. Tell you about how they lost their girlfriend to a CW television show. But they let me play VR and smoke weed at their house. So it's all right. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, I love fries, but you never gotten to go to fries, Colin, not the Burbank one. No, and That's now sad. I guess it's lost forever, and I'll never get it back. <sighs> go take a photo in front of it, it at least. Good idea. Yeah, the building's still there. It's just a shame. COVID killed a lot of things. I guess one of them was fries electronics. And this was a COVID shoot, but I think cleverly, like where it's set and how it's shot, you can't really tell. I don't think it loses anything. Um, right. But yeah, one of the unfortunate things, we did lose fries, so. Moment of R&P silence. fries. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. nope. It's, it's, uh, remember at the end of Nope where the credits go up and it says, in honor of fries? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Might as well. Yeah. Yeah. In loving right, memory, fries uh, electronics. Let's dive in. Let's get abducted and start talking. Nope. Here on Normies Like Us. La vie, c'est 
We're back. Nay! Whoa. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Is that Ghost Calm or Lucky? Down. Calm down. <laughs> lucky. That's right. That was Is Lucky, he? Mike. <laughs> uh, we got some horses here because uh, we're talking Nope here on Normies Like Us. Welcome back, uh, listeners. Um, like we said, spoilers across the board. So, you know, yes. Jacob recommended just go see the movie. You're, You're going to have thoughts about, about it what the movie's yeah. about is really a spoiler. Yes. Yeah. Even just what the main threat is any, then any thematic stuff, it's like you, you can't do one, you know, you can't put the cart before the horse trainers. So, right. Yeah. Go saying, see the like, movie. The, when the trailer came out for this, I was saying like, this is sort of a masterclass of showing a mm. lot of the movie without showing what it's actually about. There was a lot of interesting imagery in that trailer uh, but I still had, I, I knew it was like vaguely probably maybe about UFOs or something like that, but I didn't know really what it was going to be. And it was totally different than what I, I expected. Yeah. Um, but with Jordan Peele, you know, we got in a little bit about his career so far. And I was thinking like, who's a good comparison for like the start of a career, the first three movies. Mm-hmm. Um, is he like a young John Carpenter uh, kind of, um, is he like young Spielberg uh, in some ways, yes. Yeah, I see uh, Jaws else, references or Close Encounters thrown around with this. So I, I see that definitely. a little bit. Yeah. And I think, you, you know, getting into what this movie is about, you could even say it's Jaws in the sky. It takes a lot from the Jaws movie. Mm. Um, but another person that used to be compared to as like the next Spielberg a lot talked about in that way, uh, M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, um, yeah. The signs. I do see signs. big signs energy from this, too, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And to your totally. point, people forget that, that he was, oh, this is the up-and-coming Wonder Kid blockbuster director. Yeah, before he fell off, he really was the next big thing. Uh, Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Signs, um, all great movies. And, of course, he became known as the twist guy. Uh, <laughs> what a twist. Just, I think Family Guy, was that twist. their bit? <laughs> they yeah, kind of buried him. Robot Chicken. Robot, Robot Chicken, Chicken did the what a twist. Right. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and to his detriment, almost, that became his thing. And then people just expected twists. In like The movies. Village, I think, is a poor example and of a Shyamalan yeah. twist. Yeah, like embraced it, like bad yeah. guy <laughs> style. Yeah, I don't know. The plants and are then, killing us. Yeah. Yes. It's like, that's like Say the ultimate, mother. like... The twist is the plants are killing you, I guess. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I guess, I guess like, you know, I see the, the parallel cause I, I wouldn't say Jordan Peele relies on like, I guess that the twist is like, it comes out of nowhere and the worst of it. It's like, he's working with like a reveal, like there's a reveal yes. and get out of what the plot of, is. The reveal yes. in the people in the underground and there's a reveal in this as well. And I think it just, exactly. there's a tactful way to do a twist and it's called a reveal, I guess is, is what yeah. I'm trying and to back say. Back when, you know, with signs, I guess the twist of signs was that the aliens were real and they weren't like, right. Kind of hoax. <laughs> mm-hmm. Truly. Yes. I agree with you. That is when you first see the, like the first image of the alien in signs, you're like, Whoa, what the fuck? It's like, yeah, I adore thing. that movie. You see Mitch um, Hedberg. He's like, I think the problem is Bigfoot's just blurry. And it's not the cinematographer. That's just how he looks. Yes. <laughs> right. That's your Bigfoot movie. Yeah, Bigfoot. he's just blurry, which is doubly terrifying for me because um, there's a blurry creature out in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we we get someone's almost interpretation of a concept here of UFO footage, the flying saucer in the sky, right? We're going to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, but Jordan Peele is an artist. Three films in here, too. 
first one, he's he's like one of the first few people who, with his first film right out of the gate, wins Best Original Screenplay, right? Blumhouse production. For As Doubt. a sketch comedy guy, too. You're going to be like, from the Key and Peele show? Like, yeah, like, when he <laughs> first was like, he's like, I'm going to be a director. He's like, oh, you're going to make like comedies? Sure, no, make, sure, like, sure. Horror movies that all have like a lesson in them, kind well, of. Keanu yeah. came out. That's what you guys forget is Ooh, that Keegan yeah. and Peele did a movie together and it seemed like they could have had the SNL star, you know, the Adam Sandler makes his movies run of were these characters. The Night of the Roxbury run or whatever. Right. But, uh, but yeah. instead, to Jacob's point, he instead goes like, no, how can I write like the most succinct, interesting screenplays of all time that have an original voice, always say something, um, always are about a bigger concept, uh, a yeah. bigger idea that I want to share with the rest of the world. And beyond that, look incredible and are like thrilling and uh, make people show up and sit down and go to the movies. Yeah, which yeah. is really weird when you think about where his career has gone, where he was an on-camera comedic guy. Like That's like, if, you know, if John Carpenter or Steven Spielberg was an actor before they started directing movies. Like, it's crazy that he made this transition and was so good at it. But yeah. Uh, yeah, with Nope, I see a lot of Jaws. I see a lot of Signs. And with Signs, it's not even just the UFO theming, but the way that M. Night uses, like, symbolism and how everything kind of ties back into the main themes of the movie and like you remember the girl was leaving like water everywhere and then joaquin phoenix was, had, was like a baseball player so we had the bat that he would later use to like <laughs> yeah just yeah a, a regular person right. couldn't swing a bat at water cups <laughs> no swing, he like, had to be a baseball player yeah <laughs> yeah My and wife, sometimes it works better than swing. others for, mm-hmm. for M. Night, but sure um no i think uh the movie made a splash with audiences <laughs> it did now uh, uh us was um a film that was received very well but i would say less so but all these films nope included are these hundred million dollar domestic mm. grocers right which are these huge accolades the other films to come close to what this did this year that are original properties mm. were that Sandra Bullock Channing Tatum treasure movie? No, not that, that one. Netflix original. It, I think it's, it's like it's a like rom com. Plus simulcast, oh, okay. I think. But yeah. they they also did theaters and you know, right. got uh, up to close to a hundred million. But but right. Jordan Peele again, this guy who very uniquely, because um, Jacob brought up the marketing. This film, this is one of those films where it's like it had nothing. You had no idea it existed. Then you see. One trailer of, at, during the Super Bowl is where it's got its first. Yeah. Run. The trailer is just people saying, nope, 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 uh-huh. nope. And it ends with saying the, mm. <laughs> the new film from Jordan Peele. And at any Super Bowl party you were at, people would have said, I'm going to that because it, you buy in because he's he's hit home runs from this point out. He's just incredible. Yeah. yeah. Using the director's name to sell a movie, which yeah. is very rare these days. And again, it reminds me of. John Carpenter, John Carpenter would put his name, yes. John Carpenter's The Thing, you know, John Carpenter's yes. Halloween. In so, the age of Marvel movies, Jacob, where this guy, yeah. the the closest he has ever gotten was kind of sniffing around gargoyles and then Mike mm-hmm. signing on to Akira and being like, yeah. I'm do, I'm going to do the big Akira. And they're like, no, 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 no. And then Taika and then yeah. no, no, no. And it's just that. Yeah. I have an Akira made. note for later. Don't let me forget. Okay. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, oh. That's, that's my thing <laughs> about know. Jordan Peele is, yeah, he's not 
you know, doing franchises. He's doing original no. IP that are blockbusters. And that's just yeah. so rare these days. So it's very refreshing. Like Carpenter, where people in his age were pumping out sequels, Jacob. He would go, no, The Fog. And people would be like, what's that? Yeah. And he'd be like, fuck you. It's you a weird two? thing no. I came up with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he wouldn't be attached to Halloween right. 2, though. He'd be like, I'll write it for you, but fuck you. That shit sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. Because he didn't Dang. need to make a sequel because Halloween was yeah. already perfect. Like, he yeah, exactly. The shape. You know, he wanted to do yeah. new things. Yeah. So that's like, you know, people want to get out to, I don't know. Well, no. when we eventually get them or whatever follows hmm. us, right. you know, it, it, that not directed by him, that is when the shark will be jumped. You right. know, would this movie cause us to get out? Nope. <laughs> I would stay in the theater and finish it because it was very this enjoyable. This next one nice. called I, will, I Would Stay in the Theater. Yeah, yeah. It's very subtle with what it wishes you to do. Well, I think he is I would with go all to the his theater. movies. He's putting together a sentence eventually. So it's going to be like, nope, get us out. Whatever movie he makes next. Mm, something like that, maybe. Yeah. Get me the contract for Gargoyles. Wow. But no, yeah, so three for three. Yeah, well, yes, yeah, let's please. let's kind of set up uh, the characters and the general conflict, right? I mean, Jacob, yeah. do you want to kick off kind of this history of film bit that's kind of... Yeah, well, I was going to say, does Colin have something that he wants to oh. do for the intro first? <laughs> if, if, I mean, if oh. we're talking about how this film really kicks off, then yes. yes. Join hands, yes. brothers, as okay. I read us in prayer and say... And I will cast abominable filth upon thee and make thee vile and will set thee as a spectacle. Uh, Nahum 3.6. Yeah. See, not familiar with that passage. But, um, yeah, a strong statement to open off with, for sure. Um, And then we get the Gordy's home. But even before we talk about that, let's introduce our main characters. We have OJ... We have his sister, M. Emerald. Uh, that's Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer. Uh, and they are the children of uh, O.J. John Senior. Carpenter's staple, uh, Keith David. That's mm-hmm. right. They live Keith himself. David. Goliath. They live yeah. the Goliath. thing. Um, <laughs> using gargoyles. They live his yes. first movie, Jacob. And then in Nope, he gets the at the end of the credits movie. and... Oh, I'm right. sorry. You're right. Yes. The thing is his first movie. And now a nope, he gets at the end. And Keith David. You get the yeah, fucking an and credit. credit, dude. Hell yes. Mm. And he's barely in this movie. I was excited because I did not even know he was going to be in this movie when I started watching it. He's in the beginning. He dies right away. It seems like a freak accident. Stuff falls out of the sky. And now the business is inherited by the children, primarily yeah, the Yeah, he gets son. hit with a nickel in the face, which... Uh, my Jefferson's on the nickel too. Is that a is that a thing? Like is that a you know is that a mm. subtext? You know who knows? Because there's Could layers be. to these things. But anyway, but so we see the Haywood Horse Farm, the only black owned horse farm in Hollywood that provides stunt horses, performing horses for Hollywood shoots. Uh, we so we have OJ Daniel Kaluuya, who's kind of the animal the uh, trainer and handler of the horses we have a sister emerald kiki palmer who is the more outgoing showman and actually do you notice when she's doing that little speech you hear keith david doing it later like on tape oh yeah so the whole great 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 and he's like oh there's another great in there 
that's she messes that up because he's she's, she's doing it the same memorized. way that Keith, that Keith David, her dad, did it. Uh, so just a nice genius. And, and I love having Daniel Kaluuya, OJ, try to he's he's by himself. His sister's running late. You know, he's more reserved. She's kind of absent minded, a little more sporadic. So she's running late and he's he starts to try to recite it. Uh, did you know that the first film ever recorded? And then like, yeah, he, he's, he's having not, a really he's hard time. No, yeah. no. I wanted to she bails him ask out. you guys, um, the three of us, we are set rats. We have mm-hmm. been on film sets, uh, commercial sets, music video sets. Have you guys ever been on a set with an animal wrangler? Uh, yes, I have been on a set with an animal wrangler, but it was in Japan. Um, and it was with... What was the animal? It was one of those hot tub monkeys. You know, oh monkeys God. that chill in the hot springs. Those. As if I I've know what a, what a hot tub monkey okay. would be. So there's was, a speech. You know, you know how you shoot those videos of those hot tub monkeys? <laughs> no, All right, hold on, hold on. No idea. All right, this will be a quick end because it kind of ties in with Gordy. So it's a Japanese <laughs> macaque. It, it's a Japanese macaque. No one died in this. But um, so there's a Japanese macaque. And what they do is they will sit in the hot springs in the north of Japan where it's very cold. The macaques will sit in the hot springs. So for this tourism video we were filming that had a hot spring, an onsen, as it would be known, um, they wanted to have a shot with, with the, the monkey, you know, um, the macaque. So we had an animal trainer and... Um, yeah, there was like a safety meeting and everything. And so, so yeah, I have been around it. The animal was very well behaved, a little bit obstinate sometimes, but never violent. Like you just wow. had to wait they, for it, you know. Did you get the trainer's speech? Yeah, that's the, we had the safety meeting. And, I, and even hearing the term safety meeting. Yes. And like these yes. Hollywood terms, because this film is, I think, a love letter to yes. below the line crew specifically. Yes. Um, and nice. I love that about it. So, I, yeah. I wanted to point that out for sure. Now, Mike. I have mm-hmm. never been on one with animals, but normies, I, I wanted to talk about all this because I have been on one with a firearm, which of course has a, a safety speech as well. And yeah. that's what this was ringing for me mm. of, of the captain going, everybody gather around. Here's the pre-rehearsed thing I have to do. But certainly sure. it's never ended with and hit me up on YouTube. <laughs> no, no, no. Right. That would really blow my mind. Anytime with well, guns, you have a safety meeting too, though. You're totally right. Jacob, yes. have you encountered that? Yes. And I mean, of course, that's become a whole new discourse, you know, post the Alec Baldwin incident, unfortunately. Uh, And I think that's also ties into having animals more and more. They're using CG and there's like a discussion there like, oh, we want to use real animals. But there's also like what can go around around, get around. Now, yeah. as you all know, I have a live hot tub monkey on set. <laughs> he is going to come out. He's going to take his little towel off. He's going to get in the hot tub. He's going yep. to go, ooh, it's so hot, and fan himself up. Do not look at the hot tub monkey. Not in the eye, yeah. We, 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 weren't, we weren't told that he was maybe easier going than the horse. <laughs> he, he will be smoking a cigar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's do you in remember in the contract. 90s, there's so many like movies that feature a monkey or something now, like that. Jason Alexander. Dunson one. checks in. Dunson. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Get Jacob, wrecked. This is so much like this. Now, Mike, I said this to Jacob when we got out. My stepfather was obsessed with a TV show in the 70s that was all chimpanzee actors. Do you know what Lancelot Link is? No. Whoa. They dub over the monkeys and they're little detectives and it's a remake of Get Smart. So he's like, I'm a secret agent and it's a monkey running from room to room in a suit while you hear like 
you know, like there's peanut butter in his Oh mouth. my gosh, the old Mr. Ed trick, which Ex- harkened yeah. back to, so and you know what? How how did they yeah. not kill a bunch of people, Doc? That's, it could have gone really wrong. <laughs> but I mean, people got hurt, for sure. That like the yeah. monkey was drunk or just like on a bunch of drugs or something? Could be sedated, I could mean, be just the hubris of, course, of training. You know, back in that day, they cared less about the animal safety. And there's movies where featuring dogs and cats and things where they would just, you know, sacrifice them essentially for the movie. Like uh, if you've ever seen Milo and Otis, which I think we talked about it in the prey last week. Yeah, (laughs) wild. Yeah, where they would just be like, these are all the kittens that sacrificed their life to make this movie. <laughs> Thank you. Thank a, you, a cat and dog actors. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah, and so so to kind of bring this back around to where, where we're starting out yeah. with Nope is it, even at the very start, it's talking about the churn of maybe Hollywood or even society yeah. where it's like even animals will get misused and thrown aside, maybe even people. Once the horse isn't yeah. cooperating, they just replace them. And then even they're talking about... Um, uh, M, his sister, Emerald, she gives a big speech about how, you know, yeah. the first piece of film ever taken was a black rider on a horse. And, you know, while in the real world, nobody knows his name or identity in this, they are descendants of this very first well, jockey who yeah. is, as she put the, it, the first uh, movie star, animal trainer and stuntman in film history all rolled into that's one. That's great. Yeah. And they're talking about the real footage the edward moybridge footage of a uh, black jockey on the horse which is the first uh recorded image uh you know the first movie essentially the first thing recorded on film and and it yes. put to rest that horses when they run all four legs do leave the ground i can't remember there was an argument but yes um yes. the point is this is a movie very much about movies it's a lot of its subtext. Sometimes it's yeah. right in your face, you know, and realize it. So we're, that's going to be a running theme. I think it's about movies, how they're made, yes. the people who make them and the conditions under which, uh, people who do make them, uh, are exposed to and the animals that right. are part of that as well. That's the thing. So talking about OJ, we see that he's socially awkward. He's not, not good around people. people in the eyes. No, he can't like look at people in the eyes, which also kind of ties into the horses. You're not supposed to. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I guess no, that's a big to thing. Them in the, oh my god! Choked over my own tongue. That's uh, <laughs> lucky. But he's kicked. I you. think a lot <laughs> of what this movie is driving at comes down to the comparison between OJ and how he treats animals versus Jupe, Stephen Yoon's character, mm. uh, Ricky Jupe, uh, whatever. Who, of course, is the young uh, child star in the Gordy's Home incident. He witnesses and. I don't think we even mentioned Gordy's home yet. No, we can uh, talk about it. So you're right, because that's a good yeah. expedition. We have Otis Jr., OJ, who is very good with animals and compassionate, you know, a little reserved. Then we have Jupiter, who's very charismatic. He's kind of the showman. And then he's shaped by kind of this incident, Colin. Do you want to tell us about the Gordy's home incident? Yeah, uh, we were talking a little bit about these uh, old sitcoms. So we get this um, opening footage after that Bible verse I read where it says 1998 on the set of um, Gordy's Home, Mm -hmm. the sitcom Gordy's Home. And you're like, I have no idea what that is. I can't (laughs) wait. And what we see is absolute carnage, unfortunately. It's a little boy. He's underneath the table. 
He has sort of a transparent duvet that, again, we're talking about eye contact, seems to allow his eyes not to be seen so Mm -hmm. that he can look past the violence and focus on a shoe, a loafer, that has been flung off next to the corpse of a body and has landed perfectly vertical and is just sitting there balancing. Yeah. So so at some point... There's the something triggers the ape and it goes on a rampage, killing anybody. Gordy. Killing yeah, Gordy. Cast members. Yep. The mom, the dad, uh, ripping the face off the young actress who plays, I think, his sister or something. Yeah, it's horrific stuff. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's all shown you know, in obscurity, though. We're not seeing it grab, but it's still a very yes. visceral scene to watch. Not right yeah. now. Yeah, the we're kind of getting blood the all over of its it. face. He's he's spitting up so much blood, Jacob, and Gordy moves closer and closer coming up for a fist bump we hear a bang and we cut away from this and we go to the introduction of our haywoods but what we're getting now is sort of this introduction of what it's like to have a live animal on a set um as we said the introduction of the haywoods what their role is to literally be animal trainers on set we Mm -hmm. are getting this dangerous animal theme in a film that, again, was pitched to you as little green men come down and kind of, like, scare a black family out in the desert, right? Yes. It's Yeah, the trailer looks like you're just going to have this typical... It's, it's signs again, right? Whatever, you know, right. but we're dealing, we're dealing with much bigger themes. And so yes. you have kind of the old guard where Ricky, a.k.a. Jupe, grew up, where we're just going to use this chimpanzee, who cares what's going to happen, we can control it, versus OJ's point of view, which is you can't control an animal, you can only, what, uh, make a deal with it? You can uh, make an agreement with it, meet it on its own terms, and, uh, you know, if we get into the... Yeah, I think now if we move to the main conflict, obviously um, this this horse, because Ju- um, OJ is not very assertive, he's trying to give the safety meaning, tell people not to stand behind it. Nobody's respecting him. In the eyes. And then yeah. there's a, a flash they thing that kind of surprises it. Yeah. And it nearly kicks a woman. Luckily, it just kicks like a makeup bucket or something. And that could have been a lot worse. I thought for sure that someone was going to die. Um, but yeah. he but ends up losing the, the job. job. Because of that. Yeah, yeah, they lose the job. They have to bring in the CG horse. And then he's in a position where he now has to... Um, sell the horses off just to keep the well, farm afloat, out, you know. Yeah, in the wake of their father's death, the business isn't going very well because it's kind of like both kids have a side of the father where the, the sister is more of the showman, uh, whereas OJ handles the animals, but she's kind of flaky, so sometimes he's doing it by himself and he's just, you know, losing work. So they're selling these horses to Jupe, who's running a uh, Western-themed adventure park, Jupiter's Claim. Right? After Gordy's, he went on to be in a Western show. I think pre-Gordy's pri- yeah. would have been his last That's yeah, right. Role. Jupiter was then his first role. Was, or Jupiter's second. In a, a teen, yeah, a little boy cowboy movie called Jupiter's Claim, I guess. <laughs> well, I guess sure. Jupiter... Uh, yeah, so, so, so he was in a Western first, then he was in Gordy. He was named Jupiter because the dad was like a NASA astronaut. I think the premise oh, right. is Gordy right. was like a space chimp. And so he was named Jupiter after a planet. That's hilarious. Um, Which is, you know, we have Jupiter's claim, you know, and to kind of look at his point of view, he lived through a tragedy, but then like he's monetizing. And I think Jupiter's claim is a reference to like his claim to fame being these TV shows. And he's not even using his name, Ricky Park. He goes by Jupe. So like even now, it's always the showman, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 I think a big theme of this movie is the exploitation of trauma for entertainment or monetary purposes, right? Yeah. So Jupe 
Ricky was traumatized as a kid by this Gordy's incident. Uh, so traumatized that he can only describe it in terms of the SNL sketch that they did of it. We're talking mm. about Chris Kattan. Wow, what he just really killed that role as the chimp, right? You didn't right. See it. <laughs> perfect, you, perfect. You catch him having flashbacks that go more into depth, but it always he just snaps back and moves past it. Yeah. Like whenever he's talking to people about it, he can never engage yeah. with it directly. It's almost like he disassociates the actual memory because it's so traumatizing that he can only describe it through the SNL sketch. But he's got this whole museum to it of like a secret you know, room. Shoe, yeah. Uh, and I guess there's crazy fans that'll spend money to s- spend the night in there and that kind it's of too thing. much. So he's yeah. monetizing his own trauma as a kid, right? Yeah. And um, that's his claim to fame is that he survived the Gordy's home. Like as yes. much as the Western thing is going on and that's what he's using primarily. What yeah. people remember most is, oh, you're the kid who didn't get killed by that chimpanzee. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at what the Haywoods are doing, they are picking apart a business that is their family legacy that is literally tied to film. They are the first things filmed. They are the descendants of the birth of film in this movie. Yeah. Being lost, they have to give up what makes them special, which is these horses. That is their relationship to the to the film world. Can they continue? Do they even want this, or is it literally just following in their father's legacy? Um, And then there's all these other characters too that we'll talk about a little bit later. That literally are just like, this is my relationship. I have a point I want to make make with what you're saying too, though. Yeah, Um, they they have to get rid of the business, and it's almost not even personal. It's just like. It's just the product of the industry. Like, oh, the horse isn't working right now. Fuck it, right? It's like not even personal. In, and that's how Hollywood is. Bring in the model. Bring yeah, in the CG, CG horse. horse. Yeah. And, no need ya. you know, we understand why she's not into the business later. We find out she was supposed to get the Scorpion King horse. That was the first job they got with the ranch. That horse right. was given to the brother. So she never got a chance to train the animals. So this screenplay. This was always her side hustle. Later. Yeah. It's so So we so understand good. why he trained the animals, even if he didn't want to do the business he was yeah. just the one with that skill set he cares about the horses but now yeah. they're losing work it's sort of a dying industry too and even in this own in this movie the chimp gordy is played by an actor not a real chimp right so yeah even within this movie, they're using cg animals instead of a real animal uh because you know like gordy's home shows it can be dangerous so it's just more monetarily feasible to use <laughs> cg these days mm-hmm. horses Let's- are real though <laughs> you gotta love that let's talk about the third animal then um let's talk about the bruce the shark of this universe okay yes. now uh mike you brought up this moment of M telling this story much later of how she missed out on training horses she didn't get to be a part of their family legacy mm-hmm. because she's a girl right um and she missed out on training this horse her beloved horse jean jacket yeah and jean jacket is the name that they prescribe to this ufo this yeah is creature because in the sky. i guess our reveal is you know we do get a tease of um oh is it little green men there's like kids in the barn yeah, from have, jupiter's so claim kids wearing the alien masks in the barn which is a generally genuinely kind of scary moment with uh, oj in the barn oh yeah oh, shit. Like, a lot of good tension like, very well shot that's your classic uh, signs um, moment tr- yeah. The trailers had no Gordy, right? We didn't know about him pre-movie. So mm-hmm. anything in the film that had the weird monkey hands doing the fist bump, you were like, oh, that's oh, that for alien? sure the alien. And of yeah, course, there's the bait and switch. No. <laughs> yes. The big reveal is that the saucer, the flying saucer, the UFO, is the creature itself. 
this yes. giant creature in the sky. It's flying around. It sucks things up to eat them. And then it spits out all their coins and keys and kills Keith David. Yeah. Oh. So anything it can't digest, I, I guess that was just a giant UFO fart. And it just dropped some <laughs> coins and keys, and yeah. Keith David died, unfortunately. It, yeah. it likes to eat horses. We see it eat some other stuff, but we are talking in a completely organic way. The mouth at the bottom of what appears to be a spaceship sucks so hard, it creates a sort of dust storm mm-hmm. that pulls you up. And if you go inside, we see later, you get run through a digestive system. So yeah. yeah. And what's one of the most horrific things about it is as it's digesting things, horses and people, they're screaming. And it seems like a prolonged process. And this sound design as it screeches across the sky and just the limitless screams. It's terrible. I don't know if if you guys ever got that feeling when you were like leaving an amusement park where you're like so tired at the end of the night and it's so pitch black and you can still hear a roller coaster of people screaming like from the parking lot. Yeah. You just get that weird horror that's what jean jacket gives me in this of like oh i can still hear the people suffering especially if you strap a horse into the front seat of that roller coaster and then really gets weird (laughs) it's terrifying jupe um so this is something i put together really after i even saw the movie like i didn't Mm. put together all the details and that's what i was talking about like some you're like thinking about it afterwards but Mm -hmm. oj is having because they're losing business they're selling he's selling horses to jupe Jupiter's claim, uh, Stephen Yoon, he's selling them horses. And then he mentions, oh, I'm trying to, you know, save up money to buy these horses back at some point. Jupe quickly changes the subject, starts talking about uh, Gordy's home because I realized later, like, so he's been prepping this show that he's doing where he's discovered Jean Jacket, this phenomenon in the sky, and he's exploiting that. The fr- his first thought is like, oh, I just see a UFO in the sky. I'm going to exploit that, put it in a show. Uh, so he's been doing this show. He's been, you know, training this show or, or practicing this show for six months. Now he's going to do it in front of an audience, and we see the results of that. But before that, he's mm-hmm. essentially sacrificing the Haywoods horses to Jean Jacket. Uh, yeah, he so puts them out at, in the evening or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Well, he's created the Starlight Lasso experience, which he believes people will pay to watch a sky shark come, you know, towards them and, you know, suck up a horse. But, Jacob, do you know people who go to those gator farms in Florida? Yeah. Hmm, yeah. It's like a roadside attraction, UFOs, blah, blah, blah. Imagine going to that show and seeing a real UFO like Jean Jacket. But I've I have been to things where it's like you want to watch this thing like fucking kill this other thing and you know you're kind of like all right yeah I the, guess so there's something about yeah. the the comparison to it to a gator farm because I've been to those yeah. too and it's always like not not like even hopefully the conditions are good we hope best case scenario mm-hmm. we've seen Tiger King not always yeah. case right. so there's a comment about animals and performances and audiences even with something like that happening with, yeah. with Jupe's claim as well totally there's yeah. a lot yeah, and of private, those guys private are always zoos like, in America yeah. mm-hmm. you, so you're in charge of like that's like you do this with that gator every time no this you know, this giant one that he just happened to come by this time I'm gonna try to feed him and I might wrestle him and you're just like what are you talking about <laughs> the, the chance of death exists because again yes you can only make an agreement animal. with a wild animal yeah. and here yes. we are dealing with the biggest again, wild animal yeah this is OJ's perspective versus Jupe's perspective once again Jupe you think he learns his lesson being a child witnessing this horrific Gordy's incident 
but he obviously takes the wrong lesson from it because he thinks he can control Jean Jacket, mm-hmm. put him in a show, yes. have an audience. But we see that go horrifically wrong, and Jean Jacket, of course, sucks up the entire audience, Jupe included. Yep. So, yes. so that uh, hubris not only gets him killed, but like the families and the people he was just trying to yeah. get money from. Like it, it now, the ripple effect reaches beyond his life, where his trauma has now caused the deaths of hundreds. You know, just because he thinks he can control it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. He but seems OJ, sad about it, though. Yeah. <laughs> OJ, because of who he is, he realizes don't look at it. Like if you look, if you don't look at it, it'll leave you alone, and that's kind of true with other wild animals, right? Bears, don't look cheetahs, at it in the eye. You, yeah. mountain lions. You hear about all those experiences where people are like, "Oh, if the real alpha predator comes around, guess what? No, 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 no. <laughs> like you, you do Be not even acknowledge. Yeah, yes, Naru knew how to do this yeah. in yeah. against yeah. the predator. It's interesting that we're dealing with like prey and predator behavior in both of these. Uh, Well, that was a great weekend when we saw them. I saw prey on Saturday and then Colin and I went and saw Nope Sunday night. and It was a great uh, double feature. And Jake and I were talking about it, though. The the difference in what it means to respect the alpha of predator is, you know, a, a, a warrior going out and saying, you know, can I be the alpha versus Nope is what Jacob's talking about. This agreement of like that is the alpha. And I have to yeah. understand how to handle the alpha. And it's that is the key difference. Yeah. yeah what do they no, say in the movie? Uh, Ask Siegfried and Roy. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, there's no controlling jean jacket. And that's what Jupe doesn't understand. No. Yeah, it's yeah. It's a dangerous wild animal. And the only thing you can do is meet it on its terms. Do you guys remember that the name of the tiger was Chimera that attacked... Uh, I did uh, not remember that it was them. Chimera. Yeah. I'll never oh, forget that story. I, I latch on to those weird animal attacks. Do you remember, because we're all Ohio people, mm-hmm. that person who it was revealed had a chimpanzee in their house and did get their face torn off? Yes, I remember this story. I've yeah, heard, yeah. I've heard incidents like that before, yeah. And you guys, an old woman. She was in her seventies. Crazy, because a chimpanzee yeah. has like what at least two to five times oh, strength very, of a human being. Yeah, they're yeah. very strong. They're deceptively strong. And a lot of people they'll get baby chimps, think they're a pet, raise them to a point where they reach adulthood or adolescence, and you can't control them anymore because they're their own individuals. They're not I, I, like dogs. They're not domesticated. They no. move so up they the can, hierarchy they also, if they think. Yeah, they it's also like, don't even know thinks. their own strength. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like a yeah, lie. Chimps are like the smartest animals after humans, essentially. Yeah. I mean, there's chimps, dolphins, a couple others, maybe. But yeah, I can't have a dolphin in my living room. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I'm, it would I'm be never plotting. worried about that. And chimps sometimes when they do these, they don't even mean to. Like they're not being no. aggressive; they just don't know their own strength when it comes well, to humans. So when we get the SNL story, of course, this is when we get the reveal, opposed to the earlier flashback. Mm-hmm. He tells the entire story of it was Gordy's birthday. Helium balloons were released. They came out. The lights made them pop. One of the monkeys that plays Gordy. Think about that. It's oh, yeah. They had three, they it's, said. Yeah. It's, every day you're like, which champi- chimpanzee is this? Oh, this I, Coco I Pogo this or nice one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah. Goes crazy. That's you can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you guys are you mad at Gordy for this? You can't be. I'm not mad at Jean Jacket for doing no. what it does. It's a wild animal. You can't. Yeah be yeah. mad at it for doing what it does naturally yeah you have to be mad at the humans that know better that are provoking it essentially and yes. they create the conditions that would allow this to happen to not know um 
that maybe a balloon will explode in a light? Is that on the animal handler? Similar to the gun thing. Is that on the prop master or the first AD who said, fuck it, you know, let's get the shot. Oh, just put the balloons in there. We got to go. Or, you know, we missed a couple lines. Live studio audience. Yeah, get the balloons in there. I don't give a shit. Who knows who was at fault, right? Which, again, is rippling on accidents in the film world, but particularly with animals, you know. Jacob, can you imagine fucking shooting... Dunstan checks in fucking Jason Alexander at the height of his fame with fucking Seinfeld must have been just smoking being like, yeah, yeah, I'll get in there when I can. And if you're that kid, you're like, okay, so like, I know I have to like hug Dunstan in this scene. Like I've been looking at him the past 10 minutes. He's he's like making angry. What Gordy's has done now is made me question like all those movies are going to feel so different. It's I'll be reading body language. Like MVP, Most Valuable Primate, any of those movies, any yeah. of Dunstan, it's like, the, the this cappuccino, is dangerous. The, what are they? The cappuccino monkeys, you know, the ones from The Hangovers. Can those mm-hmm. do damage too, or is that a little safer, do you guys think? I think they're probably not as strong as... Oh, the little... Like, yeah. Because technically, like chimpanzees are apes. <laughs> if we're going to be clear, we've been getting it Ooh, wrong. Gorilla. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Monkeys, I would say, are less dangerous. Apes together strong. Yes, they apes together strong. They child, but... Uh, <laughs> They could probably be overpowered. By Chimpanzees are stronger than strong humans. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's yeah. wild. Um, but yeah, so we're dealing with themes of, of, of man versus nature, essentially, and uh, spectacle. And, you know, almost, you know, the, the the aperture of the creature is almost like a camera lens, too, in the way that yes. Hollywood well, will use yes. spectacle and things yeah, like that. Let's talk about let's talk about Jean creature's Jacket. design. Right? Yeah. 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 What's, what Jacob, what is Jean Jacket to you? That's a good question, because... Hmm. Hmm. You could say one theory is that it's not an alien at all, and it's never confirmed that it's an alien in the movie. It could just be an indigenous creature to Earth that we've just never seen before, and maybe all the UFO appearances in the past, like Roswell, Hmm. were actually people witnessing this creature, and when it sucks you up, that's like alien abductions, but you don't come back. Bigfoot Uh, is a Sasquatch. You know, this a UFO is a space... Feeder, the UAV you know? now, it's not even a vehicle, yeah. it's an unidentified right, aerial phenomenon, which could be a creature, too. So, I guess, oh no, unidentified aerial predator. There we go. Yeah, it's like a what dragon. I like what I love about the, uh, Jean Jacket's design, right? When we first see it, of mm. course, it's the saucer shape, uh, which we don't even know if that's a natural form for it, or maybe it's just doing that to kind of disguise itself, or maybe that's what it wants people to see, but we see its final form revealed eventually where it kind of unfurls, unfolds itself. And it's like this billowing sheets of wings or whatever. And then it's got, like you said, the aperture in the middle that sucks. It looks like a, it's got these green things flipping out when it transforms. It it reminds me of like a micro chip or something. There there might be something there or I'm reading it. Yeah. It's all of those things, but it's like, you know, the digital camera sensor I'm, I'm imagining like that kind of crap too i think this is a commentary on animals our relationship with nature exploitation but also like cameras. with entertainment and cameras yeah. and we you know yeah. don't look away from a well, car the crash entertainment of spectacle and the spectacle of using trauma all of that tying together and the cinematographer like he's trying to capture this perfect shot of spectacle yeah. right and like Over even shot. uh yeah yeah um <laughs> yeah yeah uh, m wants to capture the spectacle for profit and you know it's like so this idea of capturing things on camera or you know tv show of gordy and then you know make money off that that kind of stuff is part of the what i really 
love about the design is that it's not just your typical Hollywood alien tentacles, whatever. We've seen that so many times. This is just so almost otherworldly. Mm. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. It's like a jellyfish so, in the air. It's fucking bizarre. Yeah. It's like a floating you know, stomach. <laughs> Does it have yeah. a brain? What is it? Yeah. If, if you get aliens, very often it's going to be a humanoid. If that, you know, mm-hmm. we always lament on our Star Treks or Star Wars that there's not even enough humanoid Foreheads aliens that you can do. in these. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like, how many times can you change a nose, Mike? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then you get like... What's that Amy Adams movie where the things come down and teach you the language? Arrival. Ooh. Arrival. You get yes. sort of what Jacob said, these sort Great of movie, you know, wormy, snake-like kind of tubular aliens that have yeah. kind of come around now a little more. Prometheus, and they almost right? look you know, as mm. a world, the world, classic world. world yes, world, the, the world tripods. Design. You're 100% yeah. right. Oh, now, yeah. I saw some theories on this, but what you get in this is, again, really a comment on all of it. It's, again, another kind of meta take where in the same way that Gordy – Gordy wears clothes in the in every scene that you see him because you want Gordy to be wearing clothes. You don't want to think about him as an animal. You want to think about him as the special little guy who stars in Gordy's home. Right? Mm-hmm. And when you see him with his face covered in blood and tugging at his clothes and sort of trying Hands to get covered loose, in blood, right, you realize that's an animal. Now, in the same way that this thing looks like a ufo kind of like what jacob said where it's almost like does that thing want me to think it is a ufo is that almost like a natural predator sort of thing but when it reveals its real nature and what it is you go no 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 i've misjudged you this entire time you know it's all i'm a fool yeah right totally yeah it's a great design and i think it's one of the smartest uses of the the trope of the flying saucer like we were all expecting to have little green men flying it and the fact that it's just one giant creature i think is a great, brilliant yeah it's a great screenwriting reveal. wise it's one of those things where you're like was he just daydreaming that like how do you even come to the conclusion of because it's it's what we've said the jaws thing the monster in the sky to revolutionize you know sort of like the visuals and stuff like that but to go like hey you know it's a cool thing that thing everybody knows I have to change one detail about it and it makes it a thousand times more interesting. What if it's that vehicle insane. is a, alive? Yeah. It's yeah. like, what? <laughs> like it's that, not a vehicle, it's, it's a creature. <laughs> yeah. Even when it's hiding in the cloud and like, I guess it has the ability to just keep the cloud around it without moving. And when the cinematographer shows up and he's like, that cloud hasn't moved. I've, well, here's know, a theory I have here. about that. I'll shoot it. You know, we have in nature things like cuttlefish and octopi that can change the texture and color of their skin. And we right. see this thing go from a gray to a white. Like, is it making its skin bubbly is like a evolutionary cloud? Yeah. Right. Tactics. All of that. Yeah. Like, seen, it, yeah. Who knows? You know, we see in predators. Fish. Yeah. Yeah. And turning off so electricity. Many, uh, defensive is mechanisms that, in nature. Is that evolutionary? Yeah, yeah, so it's pulling on all these things to create what seems like, even though it's so unrealistic, right, in scale and scope, but it feels grounded based on things that animals in the real world exhibit. I think that's a smart turn, too. And that's why I think, you know, it may not even be an alien. It may be an indigenous creature. Of course, maybe it picked up the one thing that is alien about it whenever it shows up. It can cut out all the electricity, right? So is yeah. that an evolutionary trait? There's, you yeah. Also, have a just, on that, Colin? Mike, but I just also Mm -hmm. want to ask, as the guy who's seen it the most recently, because the electricity thing is the thing where you have to go like, how do you explain that? 
Also, the two times we get to see inside it, it really seems like there's a conveyor belt that leads to like an opening hatch. What is that? Stomach. It's, yeah, it's in, gotta be digestive fluid. It's almost mechanical, like it's, it's inside. Yeah, its evolutionary trait was a bubble light at the top for you know workers to walk through and not bonk their heads. That's just bioluminescence. Yeah, I think that's a jellyfish. Um, yeah. No, no, no. Is, well. It, Go ahead. It's attracted by noise. So yeah. it first shows up when M is playing the song in, very loudly in the house and dancing. Right. It also shows up uh, to Jupe's stage because of the noise of the crowd. Playing the mm-hmm. music. Yeah, and it's playing, yeah, he's playing the music on the loudspeaker. That's kind of its cue to come in. Yeah, and like um, the so radio like or the car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here, here's what I think. And, and then we can maybe move to a section about how do they defeat it? And then what, what do we think it's about, mm-hmm. really? Um, mm-hmm. So I think um, that the whole electricity, right? Again, that's like a nature thing. Like we have electric eels. We have right. bioluminescence. So just a byproduct yeah. of maybe how this thing flies and the way it relates to the magnetic fields of the Earth if it's over your electronics, it's just like an EMP. And maybe that's a function yeah. of its flight. But I can't speculate beyond that. But I could see a pseudoscientific biological parallel, let's say, with real world creatures that might explain it. But that does tie into how we will now defeat how we'll, I'll get your shark, you know, and how are we going to do that? <laughs> totally. So totally. let's take a quick break and we'll bring it back with how they're going to get this shark. And put on that jean jacket or donate it, I guess. back we're talking nope jordan peele's latest here on normies like us no nopies like us that's, mm-hmm. what we're pointing out. that's right yep yep um and our we're third consecutive nopey sh- <laughs> nomination <laughs> every year we win one uh-huh. um we kind of set up the finale here of we know what we're heading towards our heroes want to get this oprah shot they believe that they're capturing a ufo what they come to learn is no 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 we are stuck in the territory of a live animal, a predator. Um, how do we get out of here and survive? And on that route, they have recruited from Fry's Electronics, Angel. Their best and, friend. Uh, yeah, he kind of checks them out when they're buying their security cameras and kind yes. of deduces do, this is a UFO thing. And he gets very interested at that point. I love his character, honestly, because he kind of gloms himself mm-hmm. onto this whole project. They don't even really want him there. He just kind of keeps showing up. Tells him about his ex-girlfriend that left him for the CW. CW (laughs) Everybody has been used by Hollywood here. Uh, Yeah. Of course, you have Michael Wincott, uh, who comes in as famous cinematographer. He's introduced as uh, Antlers Holst, who was working on the commercial. That's how the Haywoods know him. And literally just entice him with this idea of we can't use modern day cameras to try to capture a once in a lifetime phenomenon you will live on in history if you get this oprah shot can you do it and um like in the real world how we have uh, amazing cinematographer hoyt van hoytema um no, known for a bunch of christopher nolan movies um right. who Ted has made Dunkirk. incredible imax cameras yes, with original lenses to capture these beautiful night vistas and oh nope. man yeah Gorgeous. Never seen uh, night antlers. shots look better. Yeah, incredible stuff. No. So uh, Antlers Holst has this 
handmade, one-of-a-kind IMAX camera that he cranks. Hand-cranked. Mechanical. Yeah. You guys ever have a hand crank like Bolex. Super 8? Yeah. Yeah. Or an old I mean, 16 Bolex. 70 millimeter. <laughs> he has an IMAX hand crank. Yeah. yeah, it is. Well, Colin insane. and I, when I love we went it. to film school, we started out on, uh, you know, film cameras. Too practical. Uh, 16 millimeter. Some would say. We had, That's you know, hand crank Bolexes and stuff. Yeah. Aeriflex. Uh, yeah, baby. We were loading yeah. real uh, uh, loads like this guy when he's screaming out to Angel, reload, reload. Yes. Can I please a- ask you guys, for people who are not film nerds, who didn't go to film school, like even if you haven't shot on film, they make you in the film tent. You know, it's this tent where you stick your arms in because the film can't be exposed to any light. So without being able to see, you need to change the original reel, put that in a can and put a blank reel in without all by touch. So when they set up like a box on it, it's so hard to do. And uh, they would time us and it took me like five or six minutes. The first time I did it. Right. Oh, wow. But the fact that they were shooting on film, you don't know how it's going to turn up. You send it to go get developed at the, the company. They send it back. You're just hoping, A, they didn't screw up the processing, and B, you didn't over under Underexpose it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so but, it's very different from digital. So when we talked earlier about this being like a love letter to filmmaking, like the fact that Jordan Peele has them run out of film and then using the film changing tent as a tension building device, I'm like, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen. Like, I, I was <laughs> yeah. so excited because I know also what that's like. That yeah. Angel's doing it. He's probably never changed a physical film reel in his life. I, right? I was shocked that he was able to pull it off. He must have given him a quick rundown off camera. So we see there are two different expertises. Angel, prior to Antlers arriving, has set up millions of digital security cameras. These fail. We also get a moment where Praying Mantis is in front of them, which is maybe going to symbolize, you know, an actual monster kind of being what they need to capture, right? Um, But then the the sell-off of between the digital world and the, the filmed world of course, Antlers is incredible. We get this look. We also get when he's introduced on the phone talking to him, he's watching a documentary he's making, which is people killing animals. They're or animals killing, killing each other. Or right. lions killing each other. Did you, did you guys notice that? So more did, animal yeah. abuse or... He's just obsessed with predator prey, it feels like, too. Yeah. And then Antlers notably is a you know deer is a prey animal typically yeah. in nature and, and right. based on where he's headed, maybe he's just obsessed with, you know, what, what is it like to get eaten? I don't know. Like, is that his unattainable maybe. dream? Cause he's, he mentions that, but yeah, there's this obsession that dream of, you're having. Yeah. Cause the one where you're on the top of the mountain, it, it feels <laughs> you like you guys he gets like the shot. Do you remember him? He's the bad guy from the crow. I think he's incredible. He's got the greatest voice <laughs> in this movie. I like him. He's very scary. <laughs> I almost thought he was like, uh, you know, they couldn't get Billy Bob Thornton to do this role, so they got him. Hey, too busy well, doing great, man. <laughs> yeah, but no, he was great. But he gets the shot with his crank IMAX, right? Because yes. they need him to film it. And then he decides it's not good. Now, he says, like, maybe no one no. deserves. And so he decides to get eaten by the monster and keep filming. But my question for you guys is, we know the monster expels whatever it can't eat. That footage has to come out, you know, that that roll of film or the camera, the IMAX, yeah, like that's that right. footage Again, survived. It's it's maybe exposure level and stuff. Now, it goes back to what Jacob was saying about the faith of even trying to capture stuff on film. And of course, like mm. you guys are all saying about the practicality of it all, 
we know that ultimately the route that they go to actually capture it, this wishing well that they have set up before, again, another practical, physical, filmic, developing tool that they're utilizing. Um, yep. I, Mike, I had that same thought at the end where I was like, is the wishing well shot really better than whatever Antler's got? I would have Not on that IMAX. Yeah, uh, no way. M is able to frame it perfectly and hit it right at the exact point to get the good yeah. over shot. And I do like that the quarters came from people who had gotten eaten and then yeah. pooped back onto the just ground. Picking them up, just yeah. picking up. Which is how Keith David died. Wild. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that footage, I think Jordan Peele's like, even if that footage did survive, it doesn't matter. It's more like the theme of the, the proof, she, you know, she got it or whatever. Well, it's again about overcoming trauma. Now, the, the last person before that that I guess I would want to set up is kind of our last wild card is the TMZ reporter on the motorcycle. Way mic. out of left field nuts yeah. uh, to jacob i was like is this is this a key is this key even maybe is this a cameo or something um no. i thought you know it's just another uh angle of using this you know exploiting this this spectacle yes. for entertainment tmz obviously exploits the you know drama of celebrities yes. lives because at this is, point yeah yeah. Like hundreds of people disappeared. No one knows what happened. Yeah. So there's a bit of a story happening outside of Aguadul, saying that's why he's finally showing up to ask the only people yeah. who live nearby, but, what do you know? But script-wise, this is Jordan Peele saying, like, if you don't understand what this movie is about yet, <laughs> I am right. going to have a character that Jacob just, like just said, the theme. whose mm-hmm. job is you film trauma. You take that trauma you put on film and you make money for it. Okay. Mm-hmm. This guy will come in. He represents that. He will be faceless. He will almost be an alien. He's got a weird helmet on. Yeah, and, that helmet and, calls back to the mirror uh, flash thing in the beginning that spooks the horse. Right, right. Very, oh, very sure. Similar. I even wanted yeah. to say just having the hole on the one side. It looks like Keith David's X-ray because, of course, you see the crater of where That's the nickel and fell. a similar single aperture like a to the aperture. creature yeah. itself. And yeah, I'm sure this in. is Jordan Peele all going. Yes, yes, yes. He's like, yeah, yeah you guys have yes. fucking seen yeah. one movie. Good job, yeah. nerds. Yeah, you've, <laughs> you've got one third of what I'm trying to do. Yeah, here. But to literally have him have the lines of. Film it. Whatever you do, I need my camera. Film yeah. it. As he's, he's, dying, he's screaming he's, at OJ. I need my camera. Uh, yeah. This is it. You know, like, let's say, what is this movie about to you guys? I think this is the thesis statement of the the animals is one aspect of it. I would love if this whole film was just literally the, the log line was, we got to treat, you know, animals on set better. Mm-hmm. No, I think he, like we said, looking at every aspect of the film industry goes like, to be involved in this is to sell your soul and you try to get something out of it, but it will just eat you alive. That's the cinematographer right there. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Even if yeah. you're in it, TMZ is going to show up and look at, um, as we get to the finale, right? Um, Scorpion King. That's why M didn't get her horse and they yes. didn't even end up using horses. They went with camels. So it was pointless of yes. him to cut her out of the process. But then that ended up affecting her entire life. And that's well, the ripple effect of Keith David getting camels and like the whole thing, like the industry itself. And yeah. M is the one who attracts the monster the most with the music and stuff because she is the one who wants the relationship with Hollywood the most. And right. OJ is almost the safest around the creature because he does have this sort of 
spectrumy issue we talked about. He doesn't about want to be a part of it. He he yeah. can't give himself over to it, Mike. He like the showbiz aspect. Yeah, of it. yeah. But I uh, think so. Essentially, you're saying like this whole movie, all of Hollywood, all of the entertainment business is this way. You're ex- by by being a part of it in any capacity, you're on some level exploiting yourself uh for you know monetary gain you're put, you're either doing exploiting or being exploited one of the two yeah. and sometimes but maybe a bit to, of both to the smallest degree of if you're someone who moved to LA and you're an actor and you even just put your headshots on Facebook that takes the level of like craziness or just ability to buy in or insanity to go like i have to put myself out there i have to be part of this machine to where it's like you're giving a little of yourself away to get sucked up by the Hollywood monster. Like yeah, keep giving right. more and more eventually. So just to tie a bow on this whole theme. Yeah. If I can bring up for a second. So when this movie first came out, Logan Paul, you guys know who Logan <laughs> uh-huh. okay, Internet, yeah. uh, personality. He tweeted about seeing this movie and he had a very negative review. He said, this is like mm. one of the worst movies I've seen in a long time. I didn't understand it. And there's just and a lot of people on Twitter pointed out, but there's something very ironic about mm. Logan Paul totally not getting the message of this movie when he's maybe the one person that can singularly embody yeah. what this movie is trying to say. Where he, yes. of course he's famous for uh, you know videoing a dead body in Japan in the suicide force. Suicide forest. force, yeah. But um, and don't you think that's what Angel's enthusiasm represents? The ability to be like, I can't comprehend this. I only have the one point of view. Because to Logan Paul, it's like that's not a crazy alien movie. What's everybody talking about? And it's like right. it's so much more than that. Angel's even willing to invade their privacy and hack into their computers without their permission just to scratch that itch. So there's a little bit of that, but then his girlfriend also left him for the CW. So anybody around this industry gets affected. Drama. But I I, want to point out, there's some really cool stuff about the the finale here where even just the Mm -hmm. wardrobe where we have like a killer grips shirt that OJ's wearing, like crew shirts. And at the end, he's literally wearing a crew Prince sweater Scorpion from Scorpion King. King. So yes. I believe there's a message that says it is the crew that are the true heroes of the industry. Because at the end of the day, yeah. it's the crew member. It's a movie about the, yeah, the being the hero. The stars. It work. No. Yeah. yeah, they get eaten alive. The guy who didn't Ricky want the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a really important message. Um, Again, yeah, it goes back to the difference between OJ and Jupe, what they personify in the movie. Yes. Jupe is the on-camera talent who yes. never learns his lesson from being a child star. Yeah. And I have another bow on top of the bow, taking it back to the very beginning. Who was the guy who shot the horse footage? Edward Moybridge. The Edward Moybridge. They say, you know, the same thing that always happens. Other people are going to come and try to take credit for it. You get Moybridge took credit for doing the filming. You get Michael Bay taking credit for all the work that his rigging grips and stunt technicians are doing when he makes a movie. So to say someone's going to take credit for the work that you do, uh, you know, he's trying to celebrate the crew members, the people who do load uh, the film. He's saying you are good and important. Recently, you know, Taika Waititi in a internet in a youtube video kind of talking negatively about his own effects you know the visual effects in his movie talking you know badly oh yeah artists the under you know the people that get no they are the churn right now yeah yeah like the crunch in the video game industry is very much the video game the cg industry in hollywood going on with with uh disney how they treat uh visual effects artists it's a whole problem 
So, you can't so do it, the, we'll find someone who can, or we'll get it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and the perfect cherry on top, of course, is that Jordan Peele knows all this. He's written a genius screenplay. So he takes exactly what the two of you were just talking about. And after the Akira slide, we yeah. get incredible Kiki Palmer being a hero, sucks up the Ricky Jupe balloon. Uh, the, the inflated ego, potentially Ricky <laughs> Jupe, right? Genius. Yeah. Love it. Um, what we'll just call Jean Jacket eats this thing, explodes. We see bits of Jean Jacket coming down. Uh, and then to what you guys just said of this film, just being the send up of this idea of the man on the horse, our last image is Kiki Palmer M looks and out of the dust sees her brother, Daniel Kalua OJ has survived this encounter. He is the man on the horse. Stoically they, sitting on the horse. And they've taken this image that is going to change history. And she is, you just know, going to make sure people do know his name, that he is the man on the horse. This is, you know, history fulfilling their legacy, basically. I love that. I love yeah. that. I love that, too. All the reporters show up. It's her moment in the spotlight to make her big speech. And all she cares that? about is, is her brother okay? Right. They, they, yeah. All she's worried about. And then uh, another thing I noticed, the wardrobe, he's wearing a crew jacket. She's wearing, you know, a Haywood number two jersey like that. Mm. She was part. So when she says in the beginning of the film and the family, this is my side gig. It has yeah, now become right. her main gig. The family Even is the united. Yeah. She's trying to sell herself as, you know, all these different jobs as an entertainer. But a horse trainer. Yeah. Yeah. And also they have this whole strained sibling relationship throughout the movie where even she suggests maybe selling the entire farm. OJ is very resistant to that. Um, but finally they can kind of reconcile at the end. And I think that's. Yeah. And it's all about family. Can I bring up one thing about the visuals of how do they represent this invisible threat in the sky that was brilliant. And that's going to be the crazy inflatable tube men. This is like a very Spielberg thing. I think they're all connected to batteries. And as it approaches the ones that it's closest to collapse. That's you you know what that is to me. Here's the last person that he is too. Um, Zemeckis. That's that's a back to the future. Gaggy sort of like, because it's such a visually interesting, you know, technical aspect too. where yeah. you're like, how has nobody thought of that? It's also a little like science or the Jurassic Park, you know, water yes. drop. Like, how do we show yeah. something impending or Chernobyl yeah, even just the so sound right. of a Geiger yep. counter? Like, it's brilliant. Yeah. Well, and Jordan Peele is so good at this imagery, like the imagery of the, the vista of all the inflatable tube men in the field. But even with like us, like he was doing it with like the people holding hands and the, the paper. Mm-hmm. And scary. But Get Out is the most really zoomed in of his movie. movies. Yeah. yeah. If anything, the scope yeah. is expanded, and this is a beautiful yeah. movie. And there's yeah, also he also has an animal imagery <laughs> in every one of his movies. So he has obviously horses in this one, rabbits in us, and then the deer head, right? Yeah, antlers. Right, of in, course. Uh, that's a reference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, very cool. But, but I no, think great th- movie. it's a triumph, and I love that it's also about film people. You know, it's really, uh, really good. You know, we'll throw it to Letterboxd real quick, and I'm going to say this is, I have it down for 2022 right now, top film of the year. And I think it's going to be really hard to beat. It's the best film I've seen this year. Well, it's this I haven't and everything I say, everywhere. I was going to say, I have yeah. not seen that yet, Jake. That one and either. I'm sure that could go back up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think this one, it's, so everything everywhere, it's, it's, I, I think it's really good, but it's also very, like anyone can watch it and understand what it's about. Whereas this one, it's a little more like you have to think about it. You, it's like the green Knight, right? It's not going to yeah. hold your hand. 
No. No, and as, as a film no, person... It kind of reinforces its theme a lot. It's still, like, not going to put it all together. You really have to, like... It, I didn't realize any of what we've discussed the first... Like, after I saw it immediately, it took a lot of time to be like... Oh, even even you guys bringing things up, like, oh, yeah, the TMZ guy is just another way to examine that. Oh, yeah, the fact that they want to get the farm back on track or take credit... Other people are going to take credit for their shit, you know? It's like, it all ties back to that very first speech in the beginning. So, it's, it's throughout, he kind of reminds you what the theme is, but it's pretty clear, I think, at yeah. the end. You, you know what you're reminding me of, Mike? Because this is one of those things where I am seeking out fan theories. I'm film like, nerding so hard over this. Yeah, and just like, what do these other people think? Or like, when Jacob does send me texts, I'm like, oh, that's so awesome that you guys like put a new thought together. Yeah. It reminds me of when I got really excited about Cloverfield the first mm, time. Yeah. People were like, what is this? You know, And they were like trying to figure it out. Which, along with Keegan-Michael Key and Predators, is also a tie-in to last week's episode. You know? Because Dan right. Trachtenberg, Trachtenberg, Cloverfield right. Lane, you know, but, uh, um, yeah, I mean, even talking about it with you guys, like it's helped me even put things together in this movie more than I had. And I think that's, what's so great about movies like this is being able to yes. talk about it with your friends, discover new things that you hadn't thought about. And, uh, it's just a movie that I think will be sort of indelible and people will return to through the years. I hope. Nice. Yeah. yeah I love like that. Jaws, like something like that. Yeah. I think it's a perfect way to lead us into final thoughts right after this. Nope. Feels like it would be a good drive-in movie, perhaps. No, nope. yes. don't you think? As we get into final thoughts, like it'd be fun to see this at a drive-in. Yes. Even though I, I did go to the movie theater, like you guys did. Uh, like you said, the lenses that uh, the cinematographer invented to film night shots—I've never seen night shots look better. Like, I, I, I kind of didn't realize till you mentioned. It. I was like, "Holy shit, that wasn't day for night. That looked really good." So, right, how, Mike, how do you light the desert? is essentially the question you would ask reading that screenplay. And they're like, no, 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 we're not going to because we're going to shoot it in the middle of the night. And it's like, yeah, but you still have to, you have to put up enough lights to even get the sensor An enough image. to get something to show up. And they crack that code in this. Yeah, because unlike yeah. the cones and rods of the human eyeball, which will adapt to changing light conditions, a camera does not do that. It is either a sensor or a film strip exposed to light and without any light. You can't get anything. So amazing technical feat, which, again, in the execution of making this, it's like making a love letter to movies. But um, I want to ask you guys now the title. Nope. Yes. What what is nope? What does nope mean? Right. Well, I Jacob, do you have a a theory on this? I have a theory. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it means multiple. I think it has multiple meanings for sure. Obviously, like the. OJ says nope in the movie. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I think it kind of ties into, you know, what's a bad miracle. Uh, <laughs> but oh, the yeah. other theory is that nope, it's actually an acronym for not of planet Earth. Yes. Oh. Oh. So that's one that I saw on the internet. Not and Jordan Peele has responded to that now because obviously people have pointed this out. And he says, I swear to God, the only thing I was going for was eliciting the feeling from an audience of nope. Nope. Yeah, and that's like a, a horror thing, right? Like people like yeah. 
Like nope. if that, if it was real life, I would just nope out of there. Like nope, I'm not yeah. going in there. And we but, see that I mean, a lot in this. Like, figure. It's like nope, <laughs> fuck that. Yeah. But it's back to the Bible verse of look upon the splendor of terror, where it says the thing of you wow. Know, this this whole film. It's there's also a metaphor that could be like the modern day world is so dark and scary and grim with all the politics and all the war stuff that's going on and the fact that we've been through like tragedies, financial crises, everything. One of a kind, you know, medical emergencies, pandemics around the world, right? And you have this villain that is like, I am the dark, grim thing that has come to town. And if you even acknowledge me, you will be swallowed up and not be able to escape me. And there is that thing of people's lives of like, where you hear people be like, no, just go to work. Act normal. If if Russia blows up a Ukrainian nuclear, you know, uh, base and and, uh, radiation gets out all over Europe. But you, you shouldn't have to worry about that, Colin. Just go to your job. Oh, the former president maybe needs to go to jail. All right. People are rioting and shooting each other because they disagree with that. Schools Don't think about are no that, longer Colin. safe. Just yeah. go to work. It right. doesn't matter. Just keep your head down and don't look, Mike. Nope, 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 nope. Or don't look up. it's yeah. like the concept of don't give the horrible stuff, you know, like TMZ, you know. Don't broadcast the names of, you know, let's say school shooters or, you know, that kind of right. shit. Like, don't, don't give don't, it your attention. Don't give it your attention. Don't the media shouldn't give it attention. Like, we need to not look at the evil. Like you said, I will read that quote again, Colin. I can't. <laughs> Something special. He said if I do it one more time. But I will show you some crazy shit and it'll be bad. Look away. So instead, just don't look at it. Yeah. Nope. Yes. You will not show me that stuff. That's kind of yeah, a great way to look like, at it. COVID where uh, we've just kind of gotten used to it being a continuous thing in our life that doesn't seem like it's ever going to end and we just have to ignore that. The CDC said this week it's here to stay. A government agency said deal with it basically. Horrifying. Just ignore it. Just go about your life Even just arguing on Twitter. Like we don't have to always voice your opinion on everything that happens in the world. Maybe just nope and just don't dive into this toxic discourse. Just say no. No, 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 no. It's okay too. So... (laughs) I that's, don't know. Yeah, that's Makes you what think. I truly. That's what I think the movie's about. It does. It does. But um, final yeah. thoughts here. I loved it. I think it's the movie of the year. The last thing that I can't get over now. Did, have you guys seen Every Which Way But Loose, the Clint Eastwood orangutan movies? No, I don't think I've seen it, but I'm familiar how, with it. Yeah. So how did they make those? That's the <laughs> 1970s. Do you think that's at a time where Clint just gives Clyde the orangutan a beer and that thing is just downing those things so it's just super docile? Could Probably, be. Yeah. Less animal safety. That reminds me, I watched um, Beyond the Trailer. Grace reviewed this movie. She brought up something called The Murders of the Rue Morgue. It's an Edgar Allan Poe poem about an orangutan that goes crazy and they're trying to solve a murder and they don't know what's going on because a lady was dragged into a chimney by inhuman force. And it turns out that it's a orangutan somebody brought from France and wanted to keep as a pet. I think it's completely fictitious. Wow. But this idea of a ape going crazy, right? And then you're right. saying this Clint Eastwood thing with an orangutan. Yes. And it's just all reminding me. Well, and We've and, probably known since Edgar Allan Poe's day or earlier that we shouldn't be fucking with animals like this. No. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, but Mike, yeah, real quick, because that's such a Twilight Zone esque. You yeah. just reminded me of Jordan Peele's the Twilight Zone guy. Mm-hmm. He's the new Twilight Zone guy. He's the new Rod Serling. He every you know, ethical episode tales. is the guy who you know s- smokes and says like, "Coming up next." That's where he gets his weird energy out. I think that's yeah. why his mm. movies haven't sucked yet because he's like, "I'll just be in this dumb show." <laughs> right, 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 right. No, I think that and in that sensibility of like, there's an ethical element to these is is also comes out of that yeah. love of the twilight zone so For totally sure. yeah very and on the subject stuff. of again wild animals even when you're like if you're like hiking in the woods or something um if you come across a bear or something like that you're not supposed to interact with them at all and actually it's dangerous for the animals because uh like a bear that is has interact like if you interact with a, a bear you're essentially dooming it to be put down because it you know, wild animals that interact with humans, they get used to humans and then they can't be rehabilitated back into the wild. So they just kill them, you know? Jacob, the angel of my life, Harambe, was Mm. put down because a human being had decided to interact with him one day. Harambe didn't deserve to die. He did nothing wrong. Recently, there was a a walrus in Norway that they put down because it was going on people's boats and it was kind of becoming a, you know, like a character in Norway with, with the boaters and stuff, but they had to put it down because it was getting too friendly with, with people and well, people. Guess what? On kind of yeah. Thing. He lived in that port probably before those boats did. So yeah, man, just another way that humans are ruining everything. <sighs> if this movie is it's about the terrible. churn of everything, the churn of the industry, the churn of the animal training, it's even about the churn of capitalism itself unfettered as we get the last appearance of an operational fries electronics on film. So <laughs> yes, nothing gold can stay. Fries. Uh, well, yeah, fries. when you boil things down, it always comes out to capitalism in the end, generally. So <laughs> the ultimate human evil. But anyways, nope. Great yep. movie. Yeah, I guess um, we're going to nope out of here in, in a second. Yeah. But thanks for listening. And how I, yeah. And how would I rank this in his oeuvre yeah. so far? I mean, he's made three movies. Get Out is also such like a cultural classic that is going to be remembered 100 years from now. So it's hard to even say which one of these is better. Uh, get out or nope because get out was just such a just had such a cultural impact when it came out right Mm -hmm. Um, but nope might be a better overall movie to me uh you know get out is a great first movie i think and it's a great movie but nope maybe just a little bit better because he's maturing as a filmmaker nope is my number two i would say yeah like get out is halloween nope is jaws yes you know what i mean and it's they're two completely different kinds of movie yeah Yes, but I see Jordan Peele learning and growing as each movie, and I'm just very excited for where his career goes from yeah. here. Yeah, keep on tearing it up, dude. Colin, how do you feel about his these? I don't think he's going to miss. I was looking on my phone because uh, on Letterboxd I have my top 10 of the year, and I can't remember, is Get Out 2016, 2017 maybe? 2017. Mm. I have it as second, and I can't remember what movie I put first that year but mm. nope is my number one of this year and i think this is his achievement i think this is him going like i'm putting all my cards out there baby they let me yeah. do whatever i want and here's what i want i will not ever forget the imagery of inflatable tube men like there's such it's a, the scope of it and again it maybe as a film nerd too it's like Oh, man, a guy wearing a crew jacket being the hero on the back of a horse in an industry that typically whitewashed westerns and shit. You know, it's like they're, they're yeah. so there's so many layers and of criticism so about industry and media. And this and is one all of that. that I really hope um, lives on and becomes a classic. I know some people have had more. Ma- 
feelings of it. I know like cr- critical reception has been really good. And I think box office has done pretty well, but I want mm-hmm. this to be like a jaws level, like game changer, you know? And I feel like some people, Same. it's a little too opaque for some people where they're like, Oh, they're not spelling it out for me. Like they're not holding my hand enough. So I don't like it. I just hope people give it a chance and go see it in theaters you know, vote with your wallet instead of seeing Marvel movie number 27. Go see Nope. I think it's worth it. Agree. 100% agree. Right. Yeah. It's less obtuse than Us was to me. Like, I think it makes more sense yeah. on his face than Us does. And I like Us a fair bit. But, you know. Yeah. This should Plus land with the issues. general audience more than Us would, I'd say. You're totally. only saying that because you're the tethered version of Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Walking yeah. backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that has been Nope. Normies, if you're going out on an out-of-this-world journey yourself and you find yourself sucked up by some sort of sky squid, pull out your phone before it spits it back up because it can't digest it and log in and uh, get on your socials and go to at normies underscore like underscore us. Rate, review, subscribe this podcast. That really helps. Uh, you know, leave a comment even uh, saying, you know, I- I'm – fucking 12 years old jordan peele is my filmmaker i get Mm. to grow up you know seeing this guy make dope movies that's awesome i want to hear that uh you we had m night (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 buckle up is all i'll say to you if you're that kid Mm -hmm. um but otherwise check out our youtube yeah check out us on youtube if you want to see our beautiful faces uh you know listen to us first and then rewatch us on youtube put it on in the background that's good too yeah we really appreciate it I'm wearing a jean vest, not quite a jacket, but you know, the best I could do. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to see that? Of course you do. Yeah. Of course you on. do. You want to see us. Your host, uh, Colin Fries, Fries Man. MJ, Mike Jr. And this is Antlers Jacob, the cinematographer. <laughs> now you go get we'll that shot, buddy. On top of that mountain, <laughs> Normie. With a key lime pie. You ain't waking up. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. My name is Gandalf the Grey, and I'm imploring you to leave a like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Don't keep it secret. Don't keep it safe. Don't take me as a conjurer of cheap tricks, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Normies Like Us. Fly, you fools!